Hi, and welcome to the OS Training Podcast. I'm Steve Burge, and in these podcasts, we talk with fascinating people from around the open source world. In this week's episode, I'm talking with April Sides. April is a Drupal developer who works for Lullabot, one of the biggest and most reputable Drupal agencies. She's worked on all sorts of fascinating projects, and at the moment, she's helping Georgia.gov, the state of Georgia, move many of their Drupal sites over to Drupal 8. We talk about what she's been doing in the Drupal world, about DrupalCon Seattle, which happened only last week, and what it's like to be part of such a massive government project, helping people out by making government websites easier to use and easier to search. Hey, April, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, so me and you are both on the East Coast. You're up in North Carolina. I'm down in Florida, but both of us just got back from Seattle and DrupalCon 2019. Yes, I did. How did you like it? I thought it was great. Met a lot of old friends, made some new friends. Was pretty busy the whole time, but it was great. So you went as a representative of Lullabot, the company you're working for now? I did. And we actually had most of the company there this year. How big is Lullabot? 50, 60 people? Yeah, we have just over 50 people. Okay, and just about everyone from the company that could make it made it to DrupalCon? Right. So at least for me, the best thing about it was probably some of the new features that are coming to Drupal. I haven't really got to teach them before, but the new version, which is coming in early May, has some super cool stuff. I've been teaching at DrupalCon for 10 years now, since 2010, 2011, and I've never got such a good reaction from students as we did in our training class to the new media features and the new layout builder that's coming into the core. The students were really excited. It was a little rejuvenating for me to see people get so excited about new DrupalCon features. What about yourself? What what did you really enjoy about DrupalCon this year? So uh, this year is the first time I've ever helped out with a training. So I participated in a training that Mike and Elo was doing on intro to module development. And that was really an interesting experience, getting to help people um, learn to develop on Drupal 8. I also attended the or participated in the, uh, the Drupal Community Summit on Tuesday. And we talked a lot about building the community and um, trying to solve the problem of of getting junior developers into our ecosystem, bringing in a new generation of developers. So a lot of a lot of talking, a lot of problem solving. What do people find tricky? Obviously had the the module beginners of the class and then later in the week as well. What were the, the stumbling points for Drupal 8 developers who are getting started? I would say the biggest stumbling point is getting your local development environment set up because there's there's several different options and people have all different operating systems. And so that's that was one of the hardest parts to make sure everybody had a local development environment set up to get going. Okay, I swear we didn't plan this in advance, but uh, Mike Canello, <laughs> who was a teacher, he wrote a book on DDEV for us here at OS Training. DDEV Explained is the name of the book. And it's all about setting up local development environments because it can be a pain in the butt. What was particularly tricky when it came to the classes and the, the training that you did? Well, he definitely, his training was not it, not dependent on one local development environment, so it was more agnostic. So we wanted to help each person um, make sure that they had a local development environment that was comfortable for them. So we had some people on Lando. I'm not sure if there was anybody on DDEV. We tried Aqua Dev Desktop, but just some people had systems that they didn't have a lot of control over as well. 
which made it a little bit harder, you know, being on more on a Windows machine and not having those the admin privileges necessary to to turn on some of the features and get things set up. Yeah, a lot of the government and university employees are often in that situation. Right. But I think he he did a really good job of teaching it. He teaches using uh, Drupal console as a way to create the frameworks of modules to create the scaffolding to really teach that tool so that people don't have to have a full concept. They can spin up a module and then just start editing what they need to edit. So it was a good, I think, a good intro. So Drupal 8 is moving a little bit a little bit towards the, the kind of modern JavaScript environment in that you need to get quite a few tools set up before you can start developing. Is that fair to say? You need to have perhaps Composer, perhaps Drupal Console, a few bits and pieces ready rather than just opening up a text editor and hacking away. Right. Most of his training was, was specific to Drupal Console and your ability to generate plugins and controllers and various things using that as a tool to make it seem like it's just as fast to develop in Drupal 8 as it is in Drupal 7 with hooks. So just sort of generate the scaffolding and then go through what the scaffolding means and how it's all set up. So you're teaching it, but what's your what's your personal experience? What's your personal feeling on Drupal 8 having worked with it for a few years and having had a strong Drupal 7 background too? It's definitely a shift. I learned by doing. So I, I started a project um, while I was working at MediaCurrent and I had some wonderful teachers to say, hey, this is just how you do it. I'm like, oh, I understand that now. So really just diving in and PHP Storm really makes it easy to to figure out, you know, when you're looking at, let's say, a block plugin and it says that it extends a class, you can right-click on that and go to the class and and start to learn a little bit how everything is connected within the Drupal core setup now. But it's definitely a shift and things, you know, you're always learning something new, a new way to do things. You know, whenever I started at Lullabot, I started on a project and I, I worked with migration for the first time. So that was pretty cool. So if you're talking to someone who is new to Drupal development, and that may be true of quite a few people listening to this podcast, would you recommend they start to dig into Drupal console and also perhaps get a copy of PHP Storm? I think it has some some Drupal-specific integrations that might be very useful. Right, it does. Yeah, I think... I think Drupal console is great, but there's also Drush 9 also has the ability to generate scaffolding for various things. So I think either way, either either of those solutions, you can generate scaffolding for various pieces of, you know, things that you need to build in Drupal. And it gives you a nice outline of, you know, what each thing means and how it's all organized now. So have you always been very code focused? Have you always been a developer? For some reason, I... When I first met you several years ago, I thought you were a designer, that you had a design background. Have you kind of ended up combining the two? Are you a designer, a developer? How did you end up working for a big Drupal development company now? Right. So when I went to college, I thought I wanted to be a a 3D animator and uh, realized that that's a really tedious job and it wasn't for (laughs) me. (laughs) So uh, then I learned a little bit about web development and uh, then that was the, the era of you know, monitors with different t- 
types of, you know, numbers of colors and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, ah, I don't want to deal with this anymore. So I'm just going to do print design. But then, of course, that's not easy either because you deal with lots of different types of paper and materials that way and different processes for printing. So somehow I made it back to a little print design and web design and then really got into back-end development. I worked for a community college and we we moved the, the college website to Drupal and that was my first experience with Drupal. And I was like, I really like this. So, you know, I, I decided to make a shift from, you know, I dropped the print design and, and went full on back-end development. And that's pretty much where I've been ever since. I worked in the federal government and then I moved to the agency world. And you've done this all out of North Carolina? Yes. And so you've jumped around a few times, but um, from talking to you, you seem super happy at, I guess, the most famous or certainly one of the most famous Drupal agencies, Lullabot now. They have a stellar resume of Drupal projects behind them, Tesla and NBC as well. What's it like working for Lullabot? Working for Lullabot is amazing. Let's see. Prior to working at Lullabot, I've only been here about eight months. So prior to Lullabot, I was experiencing some major burnout and needed needed a change of scenery. And I I really I feel very fortunate to be here at Lullabot, and uh, I feel like I'm in the right place for me. I'm learning a lot from sales to hiring, and I'm just learning a lot. And and I really like that Lullabot has you know, a set of core values that they share on their website and that one of them, which is probably the most popular, is being human. You know, even though we are we are lullabots, our biggest, you know, the thing that we care about the most is being human. Oh, I guess for people that don't know Lullabot too well, the the logo is a robot. Yeah. Which is a little ironic for having a, a key principle for be human. Most definitely. <laughs> but I remember talking to the the guy Matt who runs Lullabot one of the owners, one of the people that runs Lullabot. And he took maybe six months, I think, at one point to sit down and meticulously write a an employee handbook and try and define and control and really take care of the Lullabot culture and define exactly what it means for a company which is growing fairly quickly and has people all around the world. That was maybe three, four years ago now. And you seem to think that it's been effective, that there's a very strong ethos behind the company? Yes. My way Muscade is, is awesome. It's, I don't know, I don't have anything bad to say about Lullabot. <laughs> it's just a great group of people and they take care of their employees and their employees take care of their clients. And I think that that's really important in an agency. There's a certain intangible attitude perhaps that exists, but it's perhaps hard to put into words. Yeah. Uh, so you actually talked about this at DrupalCon, right? You talked about trying to navigate your career into the right place to really be serious about career development, not just in terms of finding the right job, but avoiding burnout as well. Did I get that right? You actually stepped up at DrupalCon and talked about this for 50 minutes or so? Um, for 30 minutes, luckily, not 50. It was a nice, a nice enticing title of how to hire and fire your employer. And a lot of it was just based on personal experience and then research to see, you know, how do you find the right place for you? And, you know, how do you plan your career and how do you know what you want and need? Um, it's really, you know, 
requires introspection to see, to figure out who you are and what you need in order to really find a company that you're going to be a great fit for and that the company, you know, you're going to be a great fit for that company. So it was just really some great advice that I've, that I've researched to try and help people not feel stuck in a job and to feel like they, you know, they can find happiness at work. So this was something that you actually sat back about a year ago or more and researched and tried to figure out for yourself. You felt a little lost, perhaps, or that there was something better out there, something that would give you more day-to-day satisfaction? Right. So I think, you know, I think I was burned out when I was actually applying at Lullabot. So I'm not really sure how I ended up here, but I'm really glad I did. So a lot of, you know, the, the research and everything is, you know, part of me wanted to know why it didn't work at my previous place, you know, my previous place of employment and just sort of just understanding what it takes to find a place that you're going to be happy in. I mean, really, you know, I, I didn't know what my values were and I think that I really do resonate with the values of Lullabot. So I think that's why it's a good fit. So, you know, I know that there are people out there that are likely in their first job and they, they don't know what's out there and maybe they're afraid to take a leap to try something new. And I tried to give some courage and encouragement and empowerment so that people feel like they can, you know, they can take that leap. They can, you know, have control over their career if they want to. How does that move into tangible action? Say I'm working for OS training and I think the boss is a, uh, is a pain in the butt um, <laughs> and um, I'm fed up working for him. What practical steps could someone like myself take in order to, in order to move forward, in order to get out of a rut? Right. So definitely it starts with introspection, you know, figuring out your personal values, figuring out your, your soft assets, which are like your knowledge and your skills and your hard assets. What are your cash and investments to know, you know, how you can negotiate salary at a, at a new organization. And then, uh, you know, figuring out what your work environment needs and what your aspirations are, just really figuring out who you are and what you need so that you can look around and find, you know, something that's going to be compatible Mostly you do research to see what agencies are out there and you do research on those agencies. And it's great to talk to people, you know, who have worked there. They can give you, you know, sort of an insider view of what, you know, what it's like to actually work there. So, yeah. You know, what? I was going to ask a, uh, I was going to ask a rude question. I was going to ask um, how old you are, but let me rephrase that slightly <laughs> and say, how long into your work career did it take you to get to this point to realize that you needed to sit back and define all those values and figure out something better. So I have 13 years of full-time employment. Okay. So now you can do the math. <laughs> okay. So it definitely it was something like you feel like you should have figured out earlier, but you're glad you finally got around to. Right. Right. I wanted to help people, you know, at whatever point in their career, you know, feel more empowered than, than I did. Well, you know what? I'm, I probably have a good few years on you in terms of considerably more than 13 years at this point and I guess one of the things I found is that it happens more than once often three times your values change and this thing has to be done on a fairly regular basis right right you have to to introspect often because your life is going to change there you know there are lots of different variables the place that's for you now may not be for you and you know 10 years from now so you moved to Lullabot and one of their selling points is they have such a an interesting and high-profile roster of clients. Who are you working for on behalf of Lullabot now? So my first project at Lullabot has been the Georgia.gov project. 
And that was actually mentioned in the Dries note, which was really cool. Ah, so this, I believe, was, and this is going back a few years, this was the first state government to entirely move over to Drupal. The the federal government did a few years ago, and Georgia was the first state to move over to Drupal sites on mass. Yeah, I'm not sure of their history, but yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I think they've been on Drupal a few years now. I know they have a bunch of Drupal 7 sites, for example, and I think at one point they did an Amazon Alexa integration. So you can talk into your Amazon device and get answers directly pulled from a Drupal search. Right. I think Aqui was involved with that project. That sounded pretty cool. So they have hundreds of Drupal sites now for each branch of the state government. So what exactly are you doing for Georgia at the moment? It sounds like a complicated set of projects with lots of agencies, lots of moving pieces. Right. So it's a pretty large development team, including multiple agencies, as you said. My piece of the pie has been focused on migration. So migrating the data from Drupal 7 to Drupal 8. When they redeveloped the website, they, I guess we had a content strategy team that actually came in prior to doing any development to dictate what a new sort of relational architecture would look like. And so we implemented that in Drupal 8, so we didn't actually migrate the content structure. And then we took the data from Drupal 7 and broke it into pieces into the new architecture. So we might have, you know, we might create a location node and then have that link to um, a piece of content that previously just had like a a location field. So making lots of different connections, they had paragraphs and field collections in Drupal 7, and we converted that content into embedded nodes and maybe embedded micro content, which were content types as well, and just sort of pushed everything together into the body field. So we've got embedded content in the body field and and no no more paragraphs. So it was it was really interesting project. Huh, so for someone that might not be quite as as deep in, into Drupal as you or me, you're talking about removing some of the more complicated modules that sites may rely on. Paragraphs, for example, allowed people to have structured content that might be an item called a photo gallery or an item called a video gallery, which could be added and rearranged, but wasn't part of the Drupal core. And when you move to Drupal 8, Am I hearing right that you guys left a lot of those modules behind and moved to the Drupal core using content types for everything and then embedding them in each other, linking the different content types using the Drupal core more than third-party modules? Correct. I don't remember what was the deciding factor. That was something that was decided early on during the content strategy um, discovery. So... I'm trying to think. I mean, Paragraphs does exist in Drupal 8. We just didn't migrate into Paragraphs. We instead, you know, stacked the content because they were using Paragraphs that that had columns of data and things like that, and we just sort of compressed it into more of a stacked bit of content in a body field. I honestly don't remember what what the decision was, why we didn't go the route of Paragraphs, but... Yeah, we, we went the route of creating specific content types that are that we sort of labeled as micro content. So we put in place things that would not allow the micro content to be viewed on its own by anonymous users. So it's always kind of treated as something that is only seen as embedded. 
Oh, okay. So you might have a little snippet of information, a few fields perhaps attached to a content type, but those little snippets could only be seen in context in a page. They couldn't, they couldn't be seen on their own URL. They couldn't be Google indexed by themselves, for example. Right. And one example of this could be um, the link collection micro content type. So if, you know, let's say we had a site page that had, you know, unlimited link, a field that held unlimited list of links, instead of migrating that content over to another link field, that group of links became a link collection. And that link collection was then embedded into the content of the new site page node. So big question coming up. Okay. You had all these Drupal 7 sites for georgia.gov, moving them over to Drupal 8 on a scale of 1 to 10, how much of a headache is it? <laughs> how much of a headache? I don't know. We've had a really large team, so I don't even know. You know, a lot of the deployment stuff has been done by one individual. We've got, you know, we, we redid the, the architecture instead of migrating it. So I think I think that that probably complicated the migration, um, just having to to write a lot of custom migrations because the, the structure was different, the architecture was different. I mean, I think more than a headache, it's, it's just been time consuming. You know, it's just time consuming to make sure that everything is, is working properly and migrating properly and, and finding edge cases here and there. But yeah. It's a challenge. It, it's easier if you've got a big team on hand. Definitely. So just how how much in the way of resources does Georgia.gov throw at their web properties, at their, at their Drupal work? It sounds like they've got a, a whole bunch of outsourced work to different agencies. Do they have a core team sitting in Atlanta of Drupal experts who are on staff? Or is the vast majority of the work outsourced to people like yourself? I think a lot of the migration work has been, or the, a lot of the, the new site, the Drupal 8 migration stuff has been outsourced. And uh, they have an internal team that's been maintaining the Drupal 7 sites in the during the process. So we're going to be migrating a site, let's see, as of this recording, will be last week. We will have migrated our first site, hopefully. And then uh, we sort of group them so that, you know, this group is going to migrate and then we've got another group because they're also working with agencies to fix any data discrepancies and things like that that might be issues in the migration. So they're doing a lot of that management, a lot of the QA, and they have a developer on staff who has been uh, working with our team to come up to speed on how to do the deployments for the Drupal 8 site and how to make sure everything is, you know, the Drupal 7 sites are still functioning properly at the same time as the Drupal 8 sites. But we also had some other agencies involved. We had Palantir worked on federated search. So that piece of the pie was something that Palantir handled. And the federated search, if you don't know, means that all of the the Drupal sites are indexed within the same database so that when you're searching, you can search, you can see resources from other georgia.gov websites, you know, when you're on a particular one, if you'd like to. Uh, so... They may have a network of 600 plus different separate Drupal installs, but if you go to the homepage of georgia.gov and you search for phishing license or, or driver's licenses or rental agreements or whatever else the government, government might be providing, that single search box goes through all of those hundreds of Drupal sites. 
Right. Each side is indexed, and I believe it's using Solar as the back end. So, yeah, if you're on georgia.gov and you do a search, it's going to take you, it's going to make sure you find the link to the agency where you should, like you said, get a license or something like that. Oh, okay. So you have one single Apache uh, Solar setup that might be indexing 300 Drupal 7 sites, 300 Drupal 8 sites, maybe a multi-site setup as well. All the different bits and pieces that georgia.gov runs is going into one search index. Correct. Okay. (laughs) That sounds like a challenge. Yeah, uh, I think Palantir was the the agency that developed the federated search modules. So I think that they they went to them for their expertise, and uh, I think it's really paid off. Cool. So there's Acquia, there's Lullabot, there's Palantir, there's I think um, Media Current as well, and we're probably missing out some other Drupal agencies as well. Yeah, Media Current helped out on the front end to make sure that we got all of the the front end work done prior to launch, and make sure we hit our our launch dates. Um, yeah, it's been a it's been a great you know collaborative effort. Cool. So you're working for a cool company now and working on some cool projects. Do you have any other any major stuff you're working on? You you do a big Drupal camp as well, despite all this extra work. You have your Drupal camp Asheville in North Carolina coming up this year. We do Drupal camp Asheville 2019. It's going to be July 12th through 14th. We have a really great time. We're going to have a contribution day on Friday, along with some trainings. We do sessions on Saturdays, and we encourage people to come and stay on Sunday to do some hiking and just, you know, get to know people in the community. So Asheville is in North Carolina, and it's in the way up in the mountains of North Carolina, but it's probably, and I say this as a, as a British person who lived in the South 20 years or so, it has a reputation but in recent years, that reputation has been changing. It used to be a fairly slow, backward city, but increasingly Asheville's a, a cool place to come and visit. It's lots of craft breweries, got that kind of hipster vibe with a few beards and tattoo parlors and um, like a little maybe Austin or like something you wouldn't expect in North Carolina. Definitely. <laughs> we are definitely a quirky little city. Our city, town, we're, we're pretty small compared to where we were just at in Seattle. But yeah, a lot of good music, a lot of good food, really laid back in the mountains. It's beautiful in the summer. Some people worried it's too hot. It's not too hot. It's great. Yeah, and we try to take people around the city and, and show everybody a really great time in the city. So you work entirely remotely. Lullabot is a 100% distributed company and you... I guess in previous years you chose to move to Asheville, but that's where you decided to make your home. Yeah, I actually went to UNC Asheville for college. And uh, when I graduated, I stuck around. I was able to get a job right out of college, which is kind of hard. So I decided to stick around there. And and the town's really evolved since I graduated. And we won't go back to that calculating the years of how long I've been since I went to school. But yeah, it's a great town. If anybody's listening to this, you got to come. Got to come to Asheville this year. Well, they've had some sizable tech companies open branches there, right? It's a, It's been a changing culture and an, an increasingly tech-heavy culture there. They are trying to build the tech industry here. Um, we don't have a huge local Drupal community. Really, our camp is, is the big thing. But there are some web shops here, and there are efforts to try and, and bring more industry here. It's hard to bring in manufacturing to a city in the mountains because there's not enough flat space to have factories and things like that. So 
we're trying to branch out because right now our our industry is tourism so that's not a very sustainable industry so yeah there's definitely definitely a drive to start tech companies here and you know i always say it's a it's a bring your own job kind of city you know if you're working remotely Asheville's a great place to live it's on like all the top 10 places to live places to visit in the world so it's a great place Cool. So let's do a quick uh, promotional rundown. Drupal Camp Asheville is what dates this year? July 12th through 14th. And you mentioned you have a big georgia.gov launch coming up. Do you want to give out the URL so people can check it out? (laughs) Um, There's actually two sites. Um, We are supposed to be launching the ada.georgia.gov and I believe the sbwc.georgia.gov. Okay, you got to give us a hint on what those are. The ADA is, yeah, I'm going to have to look that up. <laughs> Too many It's accessibility. You know, it's, yeah. yeah, as you're developing, all you care about is the subdomain. <laughs> so let's see, the state, state of Georgia ADA coordinator's office is the ADA site. So they help with accessibility resources. And SBWC is the State Board of Workers' Compensation. Okay, so just about everything the Georgia government can do is going to end up on Drupal, if it hasn't done already, and on Drupal 8. Obviously, the company you enjoy working for is Lullabot. Okay, and uh, finally, April, where can people keep up with you and what you're doing? Uh, So you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is week before next, of course, which means now, you know, not week after next, week before next. (laughs) There's got to be a story behind that. So, April, thank you so much for joining us. I wish you well with your your future work at Lullabot and with these Georgia.gov launches you have coming up. Thanks. Thanks for having me.